the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Man, I love that line. Like what, what else do I want? Christ is in me and he ain't letting go. I know all this because I've tried everything else, man. I, Dude, I made a video one time because I told you at night I feel fine, right? I mean, totally fine. Zero anxiety. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to video myself and I'm going to watch it in the morning and it's going to, it'll, this will work. Went to bed, got up the next morning and I watched it. It helped me zero. The only thing that works, I know not everyone can say this, but it's my hope in Christ. Hey! Hey everyone, welcome to the Resolutions Podcast, where we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversations. I'm your host, Chris Campbell. So this is another episode that I've been looking forward to for for some time. And let me start by explaining that when we launched the Resolutions Podcast, we did so with the intention of ultimately serving a greater population base than would normally be possible with the limited appointment slots and office hours offered at our local clinic. Since the beginning, our approach with the podcast has been to take on a variety of topics that are attached to mental health and wellness. And our strategy, of course, is a method of integration that is uniquely psychological, theological, and spiritual. The tagline for the podcast has always been that we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversations. So in striving after these specific objectives, we also want to do our part to introduce listeners to exceptional guests with relatable stories. And simultaneously, we want to destigmatize mental health issues and treatment. So if you're a longtime listener, you've no doubt caught on to the intentional ways that Michael, my co-host, and I invite listeners into remote samplings of what a counseling session experience might actually be like. And uh, we trust that this has been helpful. One aspect of counseling that we have yet to highlight is what is referred to as the wrap-up session or the process of finalizing and concluding a counseling experience. The last session at the end of a course of therapy in general covers a review of the client's learnings, goal assessments, and now that the client is unstuck, how will momentum be maintained and personal growth continue to be cultivated? Uh, Wrap-up sessions are, frankly, a bittersweet thing for both the client and the counselor, uh, but it is a necessary part of the therapeutic process. So today, the Resolutions Podcast is going to provide our audience the opportunity to listen in on a conversation that in many ways parallels a wrap-up session. Our guest today is Ben Toole. Ben is an area director for the globally renowned organization Young Life. Ben's career with this outstanding entity has spanned over two and a half decades. Far and away, Ben is one of the most committed and gifted leaders I have ever met. And at this point, under his leadership, countless lives have been impacted in eternal ways. But what many people are unaware of is that Ben has a history of anxiety that at times has been debilitating. Now, a bit of a disclaimer before we get started. Licensed psychotherapists that solicit endorsements from clients are on ethical thin ice. <laughs> Therefore, it's important for me to disclose that Ben and I teamed up to address his issues with anxiety before I was ever licensed. Uh, ben and I have a history of friendship and we are longtime colleagues in ministry. Uh, our professional conversation actually began as pastoral counseling. Uh, therefore, there's a bit of wiggle room here for Ben. 
Ben to be on the podcast and for Ben to disclose his learnings about anxiety in this setting at my request. So uh, thanks for allowing me to make that clear. Uh, Next thing uh, I need to say is this episode content addresses the most commonly diagnosed mental disorder in the world today, anxiety. Anxiety is at an all-time high in the U.S. among adults, teens, and children. Anxiety prescriptions continue to be on the rise among all age groups here in the U.S. And recently, the CDC has recommended that all adults be screened for anxiety disorders. And while we've covered a variety of topics here on the Resolutions Podcast, this will be our first intentional conversation that specifically focuses on anxiety. Uh, In this episode, Ben Toole talks about his journey with anxiety and what he has learned over the course of therapy about living with anxiety and actually experiencing the sufficient grace of God when anxiety just won't go away. Uh, I believe listeners will find this conversation to be very relatable and encouraging. So now we will pick up on our conversation with Ben that in many ways matches a wrap-up session. Be sure to stay tuned for some final remarks by Michael Gum. He will have some helpful resources and thoughts to share. All right, well, Ben Tool, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, man, it's good to be here. This is going to yeah. be fun. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, I, uh, I have had you on my wish list uh, for, for guests uh, for some time. I don't know why. I don't know why you could have me on any wish list. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to find out here, here shortly. I, I'm super excited uh, for you to, uh, to be introduced to our listening audience. Today, we're going to talk about what I think is just an increasingly common uh, topic here in our culture, even this morning, I, I saw on the news where I think it was the CDC that was recommending that all adults in the U.S. should be screened for anxiety, which wow. is what we are going to be talking about. So it's something at the forefront of of many, if not most, people's minds today. And uh, and you know, we're I think we're I think we're going to have some some really helpful things to discuss even through your story. But by way of introduction, hey, talk a little bit about yourself. Give us give us some context, some background, where you grew up, your your education. You know, you've been so uh, ingrained in such an integral part of uh, one of the premier. Uh, youth specialists, uh, nonprofit organizations globally. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ben Tool. Yeah, I, well, I grew up in Wetzel County, West Virginia guy. So I uh, haven't, haven't left the state. I, hopefully, I, I never will. But uh, I graduated from Magnolia High School in 1994 and then headed to WVU. And, um, you know, went, as I went to WVU, I, I mean, I really had no idea what I what I wanted to do. Uh, and I got into the education program there. And, um, I mean, really I went there to just kind of, I, I think this is where I'm supposed to go to school. You know, I didn't even put an application anywhere, you know, I, the Lord kind of was all over that decision. I was what I found out. I mean, I, I was not a Christian, anything like that. And, you know, met the right people, I guess, and, and be, became a believer pretty shortly after I moved to WVU and got involved with, camps crusade for christ and i thought man i gotta you know and this is a big part of my story because i was like man my brother needs to know this at the time he was in high school uh junior in high school at magnolia and they had started young life there which i'd never heard of um 
he was going to young life, this, that, and the other, but long story short, he, he becomes a believer as well. And, um, took me to young life. He's like, I mean, you got to check this out. And, and then I was like, this is, this is a pretty, this is pretty neat, you know? And, uh, that next fall, I, there was young life in Morgantown. I didn't know. And I started leading young life and that was the fall of 1995. And so I've been leading young life really ever since then. Um, I came back and, um, decided to go on young life staff, um, after it was basically my senior year. Um, and I moved to Bridgeport, which I met this guy named Chris Campbell. <laughs> uh, that was the fall that was, I moved there, um, January, 1999. Um, and so I was in, started the ministry there in Bridgeport, which is still cranking now, um, in Harrison County there. And, and then, you know, moved to Charleston, um, was in Charleston for nine years and then moved back to Morgantown was the area director there for nine years. And then in July of 2019, I basically, uh, moved back to Charleston. So I, I only live a couple blocks from where I live for the first time and I'm back at George Washington high school doing young life. So yeah, man, pretty cool. 27 years. If my math, it's, it's a, right. yeah, it's a long, yep. It's a long time. So long we have a big, years. we have big, big goals for the whole state. We want to, we just, you know, we want to get into to all these schools and let kids know, Hey man, there's something, there's something out there as a hope. It's awesome. So, yeah. Well, you, you alluded to this, you and I first met when we were, we're both uh, still pretty young youth workers. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I can tell you, I, I was immediately impressed with your ability to connect with adolescents. Uh, that's especially true when it comes to, to teen guys, young men. Uh, you, you married Laura, your wife, not too long after that. She too has a way of connecting with teenagers uh, girls, young women. Uh, and you and, I, you and I, we've talked about this a lot. Part of your desire to be a mentor and a guide for young people comes from a vacancy in your life during that same same life phase, right? Yeah. I mean, um, the spring of my eighth grade year, I lost lost my dad to suicide. Um, it was tra- you know, crazy. He was my coach and, you know, um, in all the sports, of course he was my dad. He was my fishing buddy. And, um, you know, went from this home that was, um, you know, mom, dad, <clears throat> brother, dog, <laughs> um, just sort of your typical, I guess, house and home to, uh, you know, a single mom who was working, um, who had to raise two boys. Um, and you know, I, I, I can get somewhat emotional now thinking about it because I, I realize now as a parent, what she did <laughs> and, and how she pulled that off is, whew, I mean, that she, she, she crushed it and in, in lots of ways, but uh, I think that began, I didn't know it at the time, but I think that began this just time of uncertainty, I guess is a, a good word that I would like to use there. Just everything seemed, it was all different. Um, but it just, at, at, as a kid, it just seemed uncertain if that makes sense. Yeah. Un- uncertain is a, is a really good word to key in on. Um, and, and I would just say, you know, from the, from the future side of that, you know, there's a, there's an incredible amount of light that, uh, you know, God's love, the good news of Jesus Christ, what we would say, you know, the assurance of the Bible, provides a great deal of certainty, you know, in the life of any person, but especially a young person. 
But beyond that, we've come to understand in a mental health uh, setting that uncertainty is the number one catalyst for anxiety. Hmm. Uh, nothing triggers or spikes anxiety like uncertainty. And, you know, Ben, this is something that you have shared openly about. And it's one of, you know, it's, it's the reason that, that I wanted to have you, you know, on the resolutions podcast. So, you know, for our listeners, talk about what anxiety was like for you when you were young, you know, in, Hmm. in adolescence, maybe even into your, your twenties, as you're getting established in a, in a ministry career, you're getting married, you're moving. There's a lot of transition, What what looking back was, when did you begin to pick up on anxiety? Was it there? How'd you recognize Hmm. it? Um, Talk to us a little about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think for me, I did, I probably did not know it, it was anxiety. Um, I, you know, I began, I just began having this thought of things are going to go bad. I I don't know why it was like this maybe pessimism thing. Um, but it wasn't really even that it was just like, I'm just assuming that, um, you know, it's sort of like waiting for that shoe to drop. Like this is going to go wrong. And I talked to you a lot about that, um, uh, at times, you know, and, but I was probably unaware that, that it was actually anxiety, but you know, it's like, I would, I'd think about it all the time. I'd think stuff like, well, what if my mom dies or mm-hmm. what if this happens to my brother? And I, and mm-hmm. I think what I was doing, which makes no sense, but I would, I, I think I would do that. And be, as a defense mechanism, because if I've thought about it, then if it happens, I won't be wrecked as much, which of course makes no sense. I mean, if my mom would have died back then, it would have wrecked me no matter how much I thought about it or whatever, yeah. you know? And so I believe that that was the beginning of, some type of anxiety. Um, and I've looking, looking back on my life, you're right. I, I, I didn't even think about that either, but man, a lot of times it's when there's uncertainty, that's what it is. You know, like I get anxious about things. And, and I think that that for some reason that just turned that's way back then when that happened, I think it began something in, inside me. I just didn't know. I mean, I wasn't able to recognize it for sure. Um, you know, even, even, to the point where it's like, man, I don't want to get too close to people because if mm-hmm. I do, then I might lose them, you know, yeah. like if, but, but if I, you know, like if, if so-and-so, if, if they just leave and I don't know them that well, that's fine. So, the, yeah. but if I get really, really tight and close to someone and, and then they leave, then I, and which is, that's messed up. You know what I mean? Like, I know it, I know it doesn't make sense. And so I think all that is just this in deep inside me, it's just kind of messed up, I guess, you know, that's, that's, the best way I can describe it without understanding that what I was going through, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, even though you can say it out loud and say, man, that, that, that doesn't follow a certain amount of logic. You know, I I can also assure you and say, but yeah, but that's a, you, you also nailed it and said, well, it's a defense mechanism because instinctively you want to brace for impact. Yeah. There's, if there's no guarantee or, or no certainty there. And, uh, and so that plays out, that plays out, you know, consciously or subconsciously it you've, you've just, you've given us a little taste of that with the way that you approached relationships, which I imagine caused a whole lot of tension and ambivalence because the essence of what you do, especially with young life revolves around interpersonal relationships and connection. And that's not just with teenagers, that's building your leadership team and your staff. But, you know, I'm curious, uh, 
as you look back now, what, what form or forms of coping did you most intuitively, you know, gravitate towards? What would you do? I, I think the biggest thing that I did is I stayed busy. I mean, just, I remember this man, when we talked, I think this was back in 2014 when we first started meeting up and, um, I remember showing you my schedule and you thought I was nuts. You're like, dude, where's your space? And I'm like, what do you mean? You know? And like, I didn't realize at the time, but you know, just no space, no margin, always work, never play. Um, you know, uh, and I never really talked about anything either. Um, my wife helped me to realize that, um, cause I kind of asked her some of these questions, you know, and Honestly, I just, it, when it was real bad, I, I would just totally shut down. I mean, kind of go silent, which here's the problem with that. I'm a verbal processor. Yeah. I, you helped me to realize that. And so I was really hurting myself mm. because I was, since I'm a verbal processor, it's like, Hey man, just talk about it. But that, those are my early forms uh, of coping. But, and, and again, good, bad, or indifferent. I, I didn't know. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and, and some of it was subconscious. Like I would just totally shut down um, and go mute almost. So, yeah. And that's the, you know, I, I want to say this for people who are, who are easily motivated, they're driven. Uh, you know, you're an oldest child. I'm an oldest child. This is I'm, I'm what I'm about to say does not come from a superiority complex, but but just sort of the the role that we normally play in a family. But then with, you know, with your dad, all of a sudden missing, there's there's a bit of instinct that steps in, you know, and uh, and and really probably, you know, is a strong motivator for all the more for you to be responsible. You're an achiever. You, you can become, you know, super highly functioning and driven. And, and I don't know that people who initially meet you may understand that because, you know, you're, the first impression I think that a lot of people get is that, man, you are super chill. You're a great hang. Uh, you know, you're, you're the, you're the guy that is like, we, we, we got to get Ben, you know, into the mix because he's a, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, social lubrication that goes on with you. Right. And, but yet here's this, here's this inner tension that you're talking mm. about because you can be high functioning. And at the same time, uh, you know, that busyness is something that helps you to cope up to a certain point. And then you sort of fall off a cliff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and that's, that's what it is. I mean, that's really, you know, I, I think that over the years I've realized that, that, uh, like I said, like you said, I, I am very high functioning, very motivated. Um, cause I, I believe I just buried a, a, a ton of the stuff that I didn't even know, Like you're talking about my dad and all that, dude, I didn't even, we didn't even start dealing with that until you and I first started talking. I didn't even know any of that existed, you know? And so, um, I think it was just, it was like that high achieving overpowered just a little bit of that anxiety. So I was able to just completely function normally, you know, yeah. um, if that, you know what I mean? That, that, that's kind of how I live for, I mean, a long, long time, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and yeah. I, again, I didn't even realize I was, it was completely subconscious that all that was going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So strange, you know?
Yeah, because you could you were hitting your markers. You as far as the objectives that you had, you could achieve it. You could get it. Yes. And, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and and uh, I can't remember the the time frame exactly. I'll let you set that. But uh, has you had you know you moved to you know more the central part of the state? I had been yeah. out of state uh, for some yep. time. And then I think you relocated back into North Central West Virginia before I did. I would eventually, maybe a couple of years lag time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, come back into the area. But but mm-hmm. when you when you move back to take over the the director position here with Young Life, mm-hmm. there were some things that began to happen that that I would classify as as tragedies. Right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. We uh we moved to Morgantown in the in the summer of 2010 to kind of reinvigorate the ministry there. And we were all kinds of, man, the, the finances were terrible. Um, we, it was a hot mess basically. Um, and, um, and for the first six years straight, we, there was, we lost a kid. I mean, like to death, you know, mm. um, high school kids. Um, and especially it was mostly in September. Mm. Um, and it, it was wild. I mean, every single year, we had big medical things going on with our son. He had brain surgery, um, a close friend, you know, making poor choices and being in the middle of that, um, you know, but I think the straw that really broke the, the back, so to speak, was like, you know, I lost the leader during that time, 21 year old, did his funeral. Um, I remember at the graveside, I mean, I, whew, I was in a dark place man and uh, i i jumped in the car with my boss at the time and and my wife and he was basically saying hey man you need to you, I, you need to take a couple months off and you need to see a counselor i'm like you need to shut shut up or whatever i don't even know what i said you know but i was not in a good space and i looked back and my wife was crying in the back seat and she said we please Take your time. time. Yeah, she she said, We please listen to him. I'm like, Okay. Um, And I knew one guy um, that I would feel like I could talk to, which was you. (laughs) And I just called you up and you're like, Hey, man. I'm like, Yeah, let's let's start talking. And that was that was October um, ish of uh, 2014. I don't know if you remember that, but that, that was the year when we first started conversing on all this stuff. And so that's, yeah. that's kind of where we, yeah, we had always, I felt like, you know, we've had a, we've had a friendship, but, uh, but that's where a conversation turned very intentional, very specific, uh, you know, and, uh, and I so appreciate the, the measure of trust that you extended to me. I remember at that time thinking how fortunate, you know, the, the community, the ministry, the family of, of this particular young person you know, who, who lost it was accidental death, you know, you, you lost this person, but I remember how fortunate, you know, me thinking how fortunate it was for all of those people to have your comfort, your leadership, even, even your shepherding, you know, your, your maturity. I, I, I also remember young life's protocol for, for crisis as being just so on point. But little, little did we know that that event would sort of topple a domino, right? That, uh, yeah. that would set off a bit of a chain reaction mentally yeah, that's, and spiritually. Yeah. yeah. That's really where it all 
went south inside of, of me, I would say. Um, I remember right around that event, I was walking around South Park, just the neighborhood in Morgantown. And I just, just rock, walking around and I was feeling this intense anxiety and not knowing how to deal with it. And I mean, it was really, really tense. Um, and I just remember stopping. I'm like, I don't even know where I am. I mean, it, it was wild. Um, and even since then, every fall, um, it hits, dude. I mean, right now I'm in the middle of pretty intense anxiety. I, it hits around, I don't know, the end of August or so. And, and it, it leaves eventually, um, you know, when, but when it first started, I, you know, I, I could barely get out of bed. I mean, my wife was concerned. Um, I was on the phone a lot with you. Um, I felt like I was totally out of control internally. I mean, it, it felt like a, a gigantic like mess inside of my body and I, I couldn't figure it out. I faked it pretty well. I mean, in public, but I, you know, I just started becoming real honest with people that I could trust and knew and talk with them a lot and just was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm struggling like big time, big time struggling. Um, you know, uh, and, and the, the odd part is it's every day I wake up, it's boom, it's there. And then around six or seven at night, gone, totally gone. Mm -hmm. It's odd, man. Like it would just, it just leaves. Um, and, uh, but man, the Lord certainly gave me a, a great spouse. Man, my, my wife, man, she would pull me out of bed sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'd be on a, on the floor in a ball. I mean, if people saw Chris, like behind this curtain, dude, I, I was like, I thought I was going to die, bro. Yeah. I mean, I, and I remember there were times where she would be laying on top of me, man, praying for me out loud. I mean, the kids would go to school and I would just lose it, you know, and uh, it, it was unreal. I mean, and she would say, I mean, tell me some of the lies you're believing. Cause I know you're just believing lies, you know, and she would make me say it. And, yeah. but she was on a percent in the battle with me. And I, and I'll never forget that. And, and you too, man, like you guys, I, I, by myself, cause you feel kind of by yourself, even when you're not, I don't know. And, and I'm sure people out there that if you're struggling with this, it, that's the way it feels done that you feel by yourself and alone, even though you're not, but you can talk yourself into some crazy spots, man. Yeah. So that was a very intense time for me. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, you know, I, I so appreciate you being able to be transparent about that because number one, I think we have listeners who also are very high functioning. Uh, they, they have a passion for what they do, regardless of what their work is um, or they, and, or they feel a high degree of responsibility and, and they know how to, if, if I can use a word compartmentalize or push something aside and yeah. you flip a switch and to a certain degree, it is like muscle memory and you go through it. But yet underneath, you know, as soon as, as soon as you're able to, to punch out, so to speak, then, you know, you have to, you have to contend with what you shoved into a closet for eight hours or 10 hours or whatever that day. And, uh, and I think that's important for people to hear that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes, uh, you know, the other thing that accompanies that, and I'm so glad that this never, you know, happened with you is, is addiction of some mm -hmm. form or another that just, you know, people would, people would opt for a dopamine hit 
you know, to sort of offset just the intensity of the, of the, the acute anxiety, panic, those sort of things. And, uh, and I think those people, I think there are people listening who, you know, right now they're able to dial in on exactly what you just shared. And then, you know, the other set, the other end of this is I think that, that also people need to have uh, a sense of awareness to pay attention, you know, to people who would seem to be the greatest achievers or those who are most responsible and to pay attention and to, and to feel empowered to, you know, take them aside, put your arm around them and say, Hey, how, how are you doing? You know, to take a take a personal interest in that, you did not take it lightly, and nor nor did nor did Laura. We'll give her you know credit where credit is due, and uh, nor did your support staff. You know, with Young Life, mm-hmm. you know those who are over you. But and 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 it was a blessing. You know, uh, I watched God strengthen you, but the anxiety the anxiety was never really alleviated. Right, it, mm. it wasn't yeah. taken from you. Yeah. And it bothered me. That's what bothered me because I'm like, well, do I not believe Jesus? Do I not believe in God? Do I not? And I know I do. And that's what I would tell my wife. And she's like, no, that's not it, bro. That's that's not where you are. Like that's doesn't mean, but I mean, I beg God. I mean, I remember me and I'd be, I'd beg God, please take this for me. Um, and it, it was just there. It, I, he would, I mean, even last summer, I mean, I'm in the middle of Montana fishing a stream and boom, I wake up one morning and it's there. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, yeah. you know? And when was it? It was August. Um, and uh, you would think, but it didn't matter. I mean, and it just hit. Um, and, and, and the other thing that's frustrating is like, I would, I know the scriptures, man, I got, a, I got a lot of them memorized, you know, <laughs> do not be anxious about anything. I'm like, well, I, I, Okay, uh, but I could recite that all day long, and that's what. But honestly, man, and I talked to you about this. That that threw me for a loop because it would mess with me. I'm like, well, do not don't do I not trust God? Do I? Yes, I I do. I just have anxiety, it, it, and so I quit saying it's not because I don't trust God. I just am struggling with anxiety, and it really stinks, you know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I I you helped me through that a little bit, being like, hey, man, that that's not necessarily. What, what it is, you know? And so, and again, those are the times where Laura would say, Hey, that's a lie. You just say it and move on, you know? So that, that's sort of how it, what was going on with me. And, and again, to this day, it's, it's just there, man. It, it, it's, it's part of who I am, I guess. And in some ways it's just kind of in there and I, I have to deal with it. So. Yeah. And I, and I think, I know that makes probably some of our listeners a little nervous, uh, you know, because they're picking up on, you know, what you're saying is, Hey, I've had to learn to address this. And, and I think it's different than, than when, you know, if we were purely coming at this from a psychological standpoint, where we would talk about managing your anxiety or emotional regulation, and that's, that's all it is. But, but, you know, what we're really talking about is just addressing something that is there. Yes. Even though you are faithfully praying, you know, God, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I, if I can, and I, and, and to be honest with you, there was, there was growth there that happened where, you know, I, 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 I'll say it now. I said it then where it's like, Oh man, you're unstuck. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is super, super cool. And, and then came a, uh, a FaceTime 
call that you and I had uh, in uh, February of 2020, as I recall. Uh, and I and everyone has their 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 COVID stories now, okay? And yeah. and we all have a bit of COVID fatigue. But if <laughs> if listeners can humor us for just a brief moment, um, we had this call. I think you were in the parking lot of a church in your vehicle. We were Facetiming. And it was a pretty positive conversation. Uh, you were feeling good. You sensed that something new was coming, that God was somehow preparing you for, for a new season. And we know now what that was. Mm. And COVID was very challenging for nonprofits, but mm. that's especially true for Young Life. Uh, this is this is a ministry that thrives on teen interaction and presence on campus and extracurricular events. And within a matter of weeks, all of that was gone. And now you have this huge dose of uncertainty that has to be contended with. So, you know, talk to us about your experience again, you know, with, with anxiety during those, those days of isolation, sheltering in place, trying to, to keep contact with kids. You know, you're, you're in Charleston at that point, Charleston. West yeah. Point. Yes. I'm out down here in Charleston. And, um, you know, again, that, that certainly was, was odd, uh, a weird time. And I, you know, I remember equating it to like, you know, life and life in the fast lane, you know, and, you know, in the fall, I feel like I'm, you know, driving 200 miles an hour on the Audubon, you know, in, in full throttle gear, you know, and, um, and, and realize that's kind of how I live my life in general. I mean, I'm always just in that gear, you know, and, um, but what COVID made me do, um, it, it made me like, it, it was almost as if there was a sign going, Hey, you got to get off this exit. Um, I'm like, why? Well, how do you do that? It, uh, I guess there's other gears that I was unaware of. So I'm down shifting and, you know, um, so to speak, and I get off the exit and I'm driving slow and I'm like, wow, there's, there's more than one gear in my life. And it, the, the odd thing about, um, about this whole thing was I'm like, now I got to go slower. Um, and I'd never really learned to do that. Uh, that's not how I lived life. And, um, and it was, an interesting thing because Laura, my wife, Laura, uh, this could have been a really dark hole for me just because it was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to do ministry. I mean, we're not allowed to be with kids. We got, you know, all this stuff, but man, it was, you know, I was now down in almost second gear. Um, and man, the Lord met me there. Um, and it opened up a whole new way to see and to listen to the Lord experience the Lord. Um, and I, I can only equate that to, um, I guess, just being more healthy in this area, uh, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know what, if you have anything to say, you know, it, it was, it wasn't, I'm just saying that could have been a terrible time and it was opposite. I, I don't know how to explain that, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but like I, it, it was a totally different thing. Um, and it, it, it was shocking, honestly. So, well, I, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, what I, what I think is, um, for a lot of time in your life, uh, anxiety contributed to what I would call post-trauma stress and post-trauma stress 
I believe is an allergic reaction to a memory. Hmm. Uh, you pick up on things, your, your, your central nervous system, your, your parasympathetic nervous system. That's, that's always working, whether you know it is or not. Like right now, you're not consciously in charge of your heart beating, your lungs breathing and so forth. Right. And, uh, and that particular part of your nervous system in your brain is just, you know, always monitoring inside and outside. And when it picks up on something that reminds it of traumatic stress or extended duress, it can't tell the difference between real time and a memory. Hmm. And, and it will throw you into, you know, if you're, if you're unguarded, if you're not, if you're not aware, it'll throw you into a PTSD episode is what we would call it. But because of, of all the work that, that you did to go in to, you know, to, to sort out with the Lord's help to frame all of those situations, uh, you know, my, my personal take is, you know, when, when you now were facing a whole other level of uncertainty that was global, but it was also local, mm-hmm. you didn't go into post-trauma stress. You weren't having a sneezing fit at that moment to some of the, the earlier triggers in your life because you had come to terms with those things. You had framed mm-hmm. those things. And, um, and I, I think it's a testimony to, to God's presence, especially, you know, helping, you know, to, to bring you to a healthy place. But nevertheless, what you're saying is, you know, anxiety was, was still there. Yeah. And, and providentially, I I will say this, um, I, I thought it was really interesting how it was about, I don't know if it was a year, maybe not quite a year after your transition, again, another move where part of that, that whole shutdown allowed you and your family, your, your immediate core family to sort of regroup really at a time where your kids were coming into a very crucial transition stage themselves. So, um, I hope that's not too personal for me to be sharing, you know, here. No, that's great. But from my totally. perspective, it was like, whoa, you know, God is, yeah. God is really working here, but yeah, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you comment on that as much as, as much as you want. But that's, that's what I remember working through the infamous year of 2020. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't really have much comment. I mean, you said it right. I mean, it was like, I just see the Lord's hand and all that. You had some imposed margin though, all of a sudden, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, I had to, um, and it was, and that's not who I am and that's not how I work. And, but it was forced almost upon me and, and, and it was a good thing at the time, you know? So, and that, that helped me have more margin, especially even now, as you think right now we're in the thick of the fall we're, we're no, you know, we're kind of moving ahead and you know there's more i have margin i have these things that are put in place because of that you know craziness so i don't know yeah i i'm gonna say something and then i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let you comment on it i'm gonna set this up and i'm really curious uh you know for for what you're gonna say here especially for our, our leaders but you know there's there's a common perception whether it's spoken or unspoken whether it's implied or whether it's shared from pulpits or whatever uh, because, um, you know, it just seems like it's an abundance out there. I can, you know, I can do a YouTube search and it's really quick, you know, to surface or TikTok or whatever. 
And that is, there's this, there's this common conception uh, as far as Christian faith and people who are not by, by words or affiliation, but they've, they've purposely chosen to consider the cost and to devote their lives to Jesus, to follow him, to walk with him, to serve in sacrificial ways. Sometimes that's bivocational. Sometimes it's full-time. Sometimes it's just, you know, in your immediate context, regardless of what age you are or as a mom or a dad or whatever. And the idea is if you'll just really settle in to this idea of, you know, Jesus being, you know, in charge, your Lord, then you will not have to contend with the annoyance of, anxiety or the annoyance of fear or depression. It's sort of like one of those things that you achieve this uh, Christianized form of nirvana, so to speak. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and you're sort of insulated now all of a sudden from that. And, and, and here's, here's what I would say, you know, um, I, I don't believe that depression or different phobias or different types of anxiety I don't think that's a part of a, of a true believer's identity because that will not follow them into heaven. It, sure. it, it can't be. But I will say that for, that for many, it is an ongoing part of our life experience. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we can believe that we're doing something wrong. We're not in God's favor. Somehow we're not utilizing our faith in the right way. And and I just, I would love to hear what you would have to say to that, especially by way of encouragement, mm. uh, you know, to our listeners out there who can, who can relate, you know, yeah. to what it is that I, that I'm talking about here. Yeah. I was just smiling, kind of laughing as you're explaining that because I, it, <laughs> I wanted to jump in and say lies. Those are lies you know? <laughs> uh, because, uh, and, but, but, it, but here's the, here's the thing about that. They're, they're, Boy, they're good. They're pretty good lies that you can believe um, pretty easy. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, think about the disciples. They were in the boat with Jesus, right? Well, the storm still hit. I mean, and so, you know, and, and it's just been this these past few weeks that I realized it, it's kind of what Paul described in the scriptures. That this is a thorn in my side, man, uh, maybe. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. I mean, he bet I did the same thing. This is crazy. He begged God to take it, right? He begged God, please take this. Um, and he didn't. And he hasn't taken it from me. Um, and and it's but it's brought me to the foot of the cross, man. It's daily, hourly, I mean, minute by minute, honestly. And so I have to think, you know, is it is it like Paul said, a messenger from Satan? Um, is it just the, is is it not it? Is it is it the Lord? Is it physical or mental? Is it chemical? Um, I think honestly, the answer is yes. Like kind of all the above. Um, but I, I can just tell you this, you know, I, and this is wild, man. I can open my journal. I bet you right now. I mean, I have stacks and stacks of journals, man. I could open one. I bet you and turn to maybe at the beginning of September. And I mean, I bet you there is thick stuff in there from the Lord. I mean, and, and I bet you this too, cause I dated every day. I, I will. I will guarantee there's very rare that well, I've missed a day because I'm so in this spot. And it's like, man, uh, 
And that, and the, just now, like, man, I, I can flick. I mean, my journal sitting right here beside me. I can flick through. I've barely missed any days the last couple of months at all because I, ha- I need to be w- with Jesus. Um, and, and again, and that's to talk about the flip side of it, you know, that's where, like in the beginnings with my wife and with you being like, I'm, I mean, I must not be a Christian. Like if I, I mean, I mean, that's the crap I would believe. You know, just because I have anxiety has freaking nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? So it's like, and that's why I say, is it, is it this, is it that? I, I, maybe it's a mixture of all of it, you know? And even, um, you know, and here's, I read this the other week, um, Psalm 131. I think I share it with you, but um, I, I'm sure I've read it before. There's only three verses and part of it says, you know, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me but I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I'm like, dude, that is not me because what I do is I, I do the opposite. I do concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, you know? And what this is saying is like, Hey man, that, that's God's deal. You, you know, stop worrying about all that. Like you, you don't have any control of it anyway. This is what God's doing. And so just things like that, that that's an example, you know, um, where, uh, you know, I, I just rich, rich stuff. And I read that. I'm like, man, this is God speaking to me through his word. And I can tell you, um, that's where I've gone in these places. Um, you know, as, as you said, you know, that to, to draw us into there, that's where I've seen God move so incredibly in my life. Do I want, do I want to feel like I feel with the anxiety? No. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's taken me much deeper in Christ. If that, I mean, that might sound nuts to people, but that, that's where, that's what, that's where I am in life right now. You know, you mentioned uh, thorn in my side, this guy named Paul, he was the point of the spear that went into the non-Jewish world with the message of God's love. And he was, highly, highly effective and educated and motivated. He was single. He could, he could give his whole life, you know, to, to not just missionary work and relief work, but establishing, you know, what would become, you know, a blueprint for the church that is still there 2000 years after, you know, his, his service. And yet there was something that he referred to that was annoying. It was distracting. It was something that he contended with that he didn't want to contend with because it was inefficient with how he wanted to live his life. And and he called it a thorn in the flesh. When I hear you say thorn in the flesh and relating that to anxiety, it's, it's something that is so present that has a lot of potential to distract you. And yet God doesn't immediately or even inevitably want to take that away. And so I'm going to ask you, you know, what, you know, reflect on, you know, so Paul, if you remember that, that, that whole comment, he was talking about the idea of somehow God's going to showcase his strength or his mm. glory in that. Is that, is that your, is that what you're finding to be true as far as what God's revealing to you? A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's, that's why 
I would say <clears throat> that's why I kind of call it textbook. And, and what I mean by like exactly what he said is kind of what's going on. That's what, so I'm not saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm this big time, holy guy. I mean, you know me, I'm, you know, I, that is not true. Um, but it's like, I see exactly what it was written in the scripture. Um, th- that's what's going on. It's like, you know, cause he even says, you know, my grace is sufficient for you is what, is what Paul heard out of that, um, from the, from the Lord and my power is made perfect in your weakness. And it's like, dude, that, that is exactly what's happened you know, in, in my life right now. And that it's like, it's still there, man. Like I said, I feel like I'm feeling it right now because it's in the morning. Um, but it's like, I've seen that that's, that is, and then he even says, you know, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Well, nobody wants to do that. Um, but again, that's, that's kind of where, where Paul was. And that's what he talked about. Um, and I, again, that's why when I even just said earlier, like, I'm not sure what it is all i know is it's there i recognize it um it's it i'm not gonna fight it um it's a battle of course but it's like man it's there and 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 but also jesus is in my life too he's inside me if if that's i believe that to be true out of the scripture so he feels it he knows it and i can trust him so i don't know that that's kind of how i feel about that for sure you know i uh I'll make a quick statement here and, uh, you know, not for the purpose of getting out into the weeds over it, but something else that definitely stands out to me, you know, about your experience and, and others is, you know, as, uh, as people who practice Christian faith and as people who use the, the Bible, you know, as, as a means to know God, you know, uh, we, we believe that, that God is so great uh, and so incomprehensible, but yet he's given us the scripture so that we can know him. Right. And, um, and in the scripture, you know, God, God helps us understand that beyond our five senses, beyond our physical world of, of time and space, there's a spiritual realm that, that exists. And that, that spiritual realm, there's, there's a continual battle you know, that, that goes on and there's good and evil. Uh, there's God, there's Satan, there's angelic forces, there's demonic forces. And, you know, what, what goes through my mind is it has to be one of the biggest frustrations for spiritual forces of darkness to realize that a creature that is lower than them and that has these limitations, sometimes huge limitations, when God's spirit is within them, they are still more than a conqueror through mm. this love of God. <laughs> and, yeah. Man, and it's, like, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, when I think about that, I go, man, it, it, is a, it is a hardship at times to be human if we're just really honest about that. Definitely. But but there's a bit of joy that comes along when you think as hard as this is, this guy, this has got to be just infuriating to the devil, to, to these demonic forces who want, if not to kill us, who want to bring us to a place to where we just can't reflect God's love, but yet God through our weakness is showcasing his love and grace. I mean, does that, does that register yeah. at all? Yeah, that's exactly, I agree. 
that's all I can say. Like I, you hit it like that. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah. And I, and, uh, so I don't know, I, that doesn't make it any easier, but, but, uh, but I do think that, uh, I do think that there'll be a time one day when, when, uh, you know, the, the temporary of this life fully gives way to the eternal. And I, and I, I can imagine us all just sort of laughing and giving a high five <laughs> over that yes. because, because, you know, the inevitable defeat, the judgment, uh, you know, uh, the execution of judgment, you know, for those who have opposed God, uh, you know, uh, yeah, since the beginning uh, will will happen. And and uh, I think that's going to be better than a than a 50 yard line seat at a Mountaineer game. Yes. But uh, <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, OK, so I'm back now. But uh, OK, so let's let's shift here, uh, you know, with landing and, and uh, we're going to have some great uh, references here that you've provided in the show notes. But. Ben, okay, so what are some things that you make sure that are in place to keep anxiety in check to address it? Yeah, well, the first thing is I let other people in. I mean, you you know that because when I get all hot, you know, when the heat turns up, you know, I, I call you um, and I talk about it honestly. You know, I, I reach out to people and tell them, hey, I'm struggling. Again, I said before, I'm a verbal processor. And so my initial reaction to shut down, which again, so I'm only hurting myself, but that's, that's one thing I, I certainly do. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's Christ in me, um, my hope in Christ, uh, my hope in knowing that, you know, nothing in this present life will compare to the future glory with him, you know, hope that I can trust Jesus no matter what, I mean, if God's for me, who, who can be against me? If he, if he's really living inside of me, he knows how I feel. He, he, he's got me, man. I've been reading Psalm 23 a lot. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, man. I love that line. Like what, what else do I want? Do I, I mean, I want this. I don't want to feel like this man, but, but Christ is in me and he ain't letting go, you know? And so I, I trust him with, my whole life, you know, and so, and I, I know all this because I've tried everything else, man. I, dude, I made a video one time because I told you it, at night. I don't remember if I even ever, t- I don't even know if I told you I did this, but I told you at night, I feel fine, right? I mean, totally fine, zero anxiety. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to video myself for, so I'm going to, and I'm going to watch it in the morning and it, it's going to, it'll, this will work. And I'm like, hey, man it's, it's you, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is how crazy I am. Um, this is how not, this is how badly I want this anxiety to be gone. And I told myself, you're fine, bro. I mean, literally it's like 10 o'clock. Now you're reading, you're, you're watching this video. It's only, you know, six, seven hours later, you are fine. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to work. So I did it, videoed it, got down, um, went to bed, got up the next morning and I watched it. It helped me zero. It did not matter <laughs> at all. You know, I'm like, well, nothing works, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, but I, but I'll tell you, man, I, the only thing that works and this is, this is very, I, I know not everyone can say this, but it's my hope in Christ. Uh, and I, I stress out and I have anxiety for those that don't, that deal with this, that don't have that hope, man. Like, and that, that was a call on my heart a long time ago when I first started this 
podcast, we talked about like when I met Christ, like all I want, man, I wanted my brother to know that's it. That, that, that mm-hmm. drove me. It was a mm-hmm. driver. It's been the yeah. driver my whole life. Yeah. And so that to me, um, I stress for others, you know, so. That's a good word. It's a funny word, but that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's I mean, a, that's a good word. I, and, and I, I think we can all, you know, relate to that. And, uh, and, and the big thing is, it's like, um, you know, putting yourself in a place to where you can be transparent around a safe person or safe people. I want to, I want to, you know, really quickly just say, Hey, if you're a young person, uh, single, or maybe you're, you're divorced or you're widowed, uh, you know, and you, you maybe are, are looking, you know, at a time in the future where you might be stepping into to marriage, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what we would call a covenant relationship. It is the greatest advantage to marry somebody that is spiritually in sync with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a point of wisdom, a proverb in the Bible that says a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And, and Christian marriage is that husband, wife, and Christ in the middle of that. And, and that's one thing that I really want to point out to listeners that you keep pointing back to is just the importance of your wife as a Christian oh, wife, yeah, you know, huge. in this, huge. and then also to seek out, you know, a community, faith community, you know, um, I, I don't have the benefit of, um, you know, all the time being able to, to connect maybe when I need to at a moment with a, a spiritual friend, but thankfully I have in place, you know, on a weekly basis, my wife and I get together with with friends who are Christians. We have kinship with. We we have dinner together, and we talk about life. You know, within mm-hmm. that Christian context, we we pray for one another, and we know that that we're there. So, those are those are really really good points that you're stressing there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on something that can be a little controversial to some people. I, I know not not at not with you, but, uh, what's, what is your position on anti-anxiety medication at this point in your life? I mean, I'm for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not currently on it, but I have been, um, I'm, I'm for going to see a counselor too. I mean, I have said before, man, I, I put my picture on a billboard on, on the interstate out here and say, Hey, I go to counseling. (laughs) Um, I think people are, but need to know that. I mean, three of our four family members um have been on anxiety meds at some point um and one of them is on it indefinitely um three of the four of us not the same have been to counseling you know so we're uh, I'm, I'm for it yeah i appreciate that um so let's let's bring it back home to to your area of passion and expertise uh what do you say to young people um, anxiety has long been the number one mental disorder diagnosis among adolescents, young adults. It continues to escalate on a global level. What do you, what do you say to young people? Um, man, I, I get a little bit of emotional. Um, but you know, I, I just want to say that you're not alone. That That's, you are not alone. <laughs> you're not the only one. Um, and I would want to help give them strategies, um, you know, whether it be breathing strategies or, you know, all, whatever, encourage them to help, to go get help, um, encourage them to talk to people, um, tell somebody there's somebody that in your life, you got to tell people, you got to let people in. 
um, go on a walk. Um, why? Well, that gets your blood flowing. Um, it, it, you, you get into a different space there. Um, you, you're breathing fresh air. Uh, you're in the sunlight. Like those things matter. I didn't think they did, but my wife is the one who's like, you're going on a walk. Um, you need to go on a walk. And I'm like, this is dumb. Um, but, it, but I would say those things as well. Do something you enjoy, even if you don't feel like doing it. Um, you know, do it anyway. Um, and those, those last few are all from my wife. I mean, she, you know, she's a big time, like, Hey, you going on a walk today? And I'm like, yes, just leave me alone. But you know, she would, she would say those things because she knows they work. Yeah, she knows yeah. they work, Yeah, you know? And so those are, those are just some things that I would say. Um, but again, you know, the, these like strategies we talk about, like some of the, I just listed some like going on a walk, is a strategy. That's a good strategy. And it's also healthy for you anyway, you know, so um, not just physically healthy, but it, 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 it can be very mentally healthy. So yeah, those are some things that I would, I would say, but I would say the number one thing and it's wild. Um, and I, I, I get it, but the re the reason that that first part and a reason I cried is you are not alone, but I know that you feel like you are. Mm. because I deal with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm alone, even though I know I'm not. Mm. So I just, so I just preach truth to myself. I'm not alone and you aren't either. And so you've got to understand that. And that's, that is a huge tactic of, if we're going to talk about spiritual things, that's a huge tactic. I think of the evil one. He wants to make you believe that lie. You're alone no one else feels this way that's just straight up lie from from satan himself in my yeah, opinion yeah yeah thanks so much thanks so much our guest today has been ben tool longtime director of young life located now in the kanawha valley in the heart of west virginia uh, we're going to have show notes, you know, that you've provided for us with some great resources, uh, Ben. And uh, we just can't thank you enough for your transparency, for taking the time today to share. Uh, I know that this is going to encourage and be a help uh, to so many of our listeners. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, like I said, I anything, if this helps anybody at all. You know that's a that's a really good thing, and and this is just my story. I mean, this is the raw, the, the raw, real story. You know, so I'm I'm happy to share. Hey friends, Michael Gum here with a couple of quick things to wrap up today's episode. Chris and I hope you've enjoyed his interview with Ben Tool, and that it has helped to enrich your mental health. Also, as I've been doing with all of the episodes this season, I've put together a brief playlist of worship songs that address today's subject matter. In the show notes and the embedded show description, you'll find the song titles and a link to a Spotify playlist. If today's episode has been helpful for you, we would love your help getting the word out by sharing today's episode with your friends, subscribing to our podcast on the platform of your choice, and leaving us a good review. Every little bit helps, and we would love to be able to assist even more people by turning difficult topics into helpful conversations. On behalf of Chris and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll meet again at our next episode drop. Music